You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast. The official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, crazy game. Fresno State comes away with the wind and uh, also a, a visit from uh, some uh, Bulldog legends, um, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, and uh, kind of turned into a little bit of a circus while they were there, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it did. Even before the game, I was right there on the sideline, kind of in the area of the recruits, and that's when Derek just walked on the field. I had a bit of a hunch he was going to show up, but it was unannounced, and there was about an hour before kickoff. There couldn't have been more than a 1,000 fans in the stadium yet, and man, if that whole sideline wasn't bunched with people and fans rushing to the, the gate and uh, big kudos to Derek. He went to out there and he signed autographs and took selfies and visited with the team and with the recruits. And that all lasted about 30, 45 minutes maybe before kickoff. So that was really cool to see. Um, a little bit unfortunate with Devontae where his plane apparently had some sort of issue. We were all, you and me both and a bunch of other media people were sitting in the Josephine Theater waiting to have a press conference with him. And, <laughs> and we got the word he wasn't coming. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that, uh, that turned uh, turned to be quite an event. Uh, you know, a lot of us showed up early and then we we just kind of just sat there and took advantage of the air conditioning. <laughs> That's all we could do at that then, point. And then there was a little bit of a bummer, too, because... Um, as Coach Tedford mentioned, he was supposed to talk to the team before the game, and the, he was in the air about pregame, so that didn't happen. And uh, also, Fresno State had a bunch of documentary stuff planned, and even a crew from the NFL Network was already there, ready to do some features on him. And so they missed out on that stuff. But the main point is that he got there in time for halftime, and the Red Wave got to celebrate him and. It was a, uh, a very special moment, and he got to address the crowd. And, um, it was a, a cool deal to see him back and to see his name pop up right next to Derek's on the press box. That's a pretty cool way to remember the two of them, to have them side by side. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was interesting to watch them there. Uh, I I was on the field when Derek started signing autographs. I was just you know a, a stone a stone distance away from him, a stone thrown distance away, and uh, all of a sudden um, I started kind of getting pushed out with uh, the <laughs> the crowd <laughs> surrounding Derek. I was like, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> it, it really it really got a little crazy there for a little while as Derek was signing autographs. And, um, but it, it also got pretty crazy once Devante made it into the stadium um, because Devante uh, is Devante, and he uh, he he right now uh, commands a presence, and uh, well, he has an entourage of himself for himself, and that kind of <laughs> kind of made things a little more difficult, didn't it, Jackson? Yeah, I, you know, I was right in the middle of the mob around Derek, <laughs> and I, I mean, I took a picture of him where my phone's right behind the selfie <laughs> I mean that's how, how close I was there but uh, by the time Devonte got there it wasn't even a, an opportunity to squeeze into all that <laughs> for me it was I was on the other side of the field and you could just see 
it was crazy. The, that corner of the end zone, the crowd just like a swell, like a wave, just slowly moving closer and closer towards the, the, the front row and then getting a closer look at Devontae and all the people that were on the field. That was, that was something else. I can't recall ever seeing something like that. And there's been some big celebrities fought by, by Jim Sweeney Field. I mean, not too long ago, I believe Aaron Judge was walking around and we saw John Legend show up to see a family member for Minnesota one year. And, uh, we've seen Derek a couple of times and it's never been quite like that. But you've got two of the faces of one of the most popular teams in the Valley that are also former Bulldogs. I mean, it's a very cool opportunity and hopefully they can get things turned around in Vegas to make it even better for Bulldog fans to enjoy that this year. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's been unfortunate that there's uh, the record is what it is so far this year. Uh, but having them come to uh, here to Fresno was a, a treat for these fans, and uh, and and the crowd showed up for it. Uh, people were were screaming their names, and uh, um, even after halftime, it, it looked like the um, the Bulldog faithful hung around. Uh, I was expecting some of them to to go after the Bulldogs have had uh, you know haven't had that much success with their with their record, but um, they still stuck around and and they cheered loudly and and uh, and really helped out the this Bulldog team uh, to a victory this past weekend, Jackson. And uh, well, let's let's just say um, as far as the bark board is concerned, I am the only one predict that predicted a win for the Bulldogs. Uh, am, I, am I right, Jackson? Come on. <laughs> King of the bark board. Come on. Give it to me. Come on. That, that is true. You got it. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad you picked the dogs. I, I didn't have much faith going into that game. And they sure did have a, a spirited game in front of the red wave. And the defense definitely took advantage. And you know, it wasn't a, I mean, the offense. Uh, you can't say they did a whole lot much better <laughs> nope. than they have the past couple of games. But this time it, it was enough to get a W. And, um, you know, I think all the atmosphere, everything played in quite a bit. And I was uh, a little bit impressed and surprised that there wasn't a huge exit at halftime. But uh, I will say by the end of the game, when the Bulldogs were needing defensive stops, it, it did clear, clear out pretty good <laughs> over the course of the second half. People uh, trying to get home and get to bed and, and whatnot as late as that game was. But uh, there was enough there. And uh, the defense made just stop after stop after stop to secure that victory, and I didn't think they had it in them, and they sure did. I know. I, I'll I'm I've, I'll be the first one to to tell you that I'm I'm surprised how loud that stadium was with um, how many people left uh, towards the end of the game where the Bulldogs needed it most. That crowd was still pretty loud, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, it sure was, um, you know, especially with the game on the line. I mean, it may not have been packed at that point, but people got up and got loud, and there was a whole bunch of – well, there were several times it was a key third down, and the Bulldogs just kept forcing San Jose State off the field. And while it, the offense, again, it had been quite a while since they had scored at that point, the team still had all the momentum because of how well the defense was playing. And even – with the offense punting so frequently in the fourth quarter, it was felt just more strategic rather than a failure because it did just seem pretty obvious that Coach Tedford was ready to run that clock and let the defense win the game. And the crowd kind of got behind that defensive effort and didn't let the, the punts deter them and the momentum of the game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very, I mean, it was a, 
fun game towards the end. I, I'm going to tell you, Jackson, this turned out to be one of those games that I, I absolutely hated was a defensive game. <laughs> Um, I, if, for, for those of you who've been listening for quite a while, you, you, everyone knows that I, I despise defensive games. I'd rather have an all out shootout, you know, 70 to 70 to 65 or whatever, make it entertaining. But, uh, a defensive game to me is really not that entertaining for me, but it ended up working out for, uh, for the Bulldogs in their favor. Um, defense, uh, behind Perales, uh, he was a beast uh, in that game, and uh, you know what? What's your thoughts on his performance in that game? He he really took over the defense there. Yeah, I mean four sacks, what a day! Um, you know, when we were talking last week about potential areas where Fresno State could have some advantages, that was certainly one we were looking for. Uh, San Jose State, very young, very inexperienced at offensive tackle, both of them, and that's really. Those two spots and the kicker position were are about the only three places you can point to on that Spartan roster and say they got a problem there. And Fresno State took advantage. I mean, they not only with Perales getting back there, but the defense in general had 11 tackles for loss. And the kicker situation, the Spartans missed a pretty manageable field goal there early in the fourth quarter that might have changed the game quite a bit. So, um, you know, I didn't think those three spots out of 22 would be enough for Fresno state to swing the game in their favor. But, um, that was a big part of it. And then some of the other things we didn't expect mostly on defense as well, where, I mean, the, the thing that probably surprised me that didn't shake out on paper was that the Bulldogs schemed very well for Shevin Cordero, the Spartans quarterback, and they didn't let him get loose and run the ball. He had one pretty good run early in the game and that was about it. I mean, the Bulldogs sat back, and as soon as he thought about running, those linebackers came up and, and swarmed on him and wrapped it up really quick to the point where Cordero, I think, just kind of didn't even look for the run later in the game. And then you have two defensive ends coming off the edges, making his pocket shrink in a hurry, and he's not looking to run. I mean, that's when you really start to panic. And so the Bulldogs got Cordero right where they wanted him. I, I didn't think they could do it, but they did it. And, you know, I thought maybe – they could do it for a while, but we haven't seen this defense play a good 60 minutes. They crumbled so many times in the fourth quarter already in the first half of the season, and that didn't happen this game either. They held strong, and they played just as well in the final minutes as they had all game long, which had really been uh, a really tough part for this team where they gave up game-winning drives to Oregon State and to UConn and crumbled at Boise, but that didn't happen this time around, and it was just really encouraging to see them win in that fashion it's some particular areas where they've come up short multiple times already this year uh, they conquered some of that adversity on saturday they absolutely did uh, i mean this defense was impressive uh they kept a mobile quarterback pretty much contained uh, because that was going to be the biggest threat for the Bulldogs was going to be uh, making sure that the quarterback uh, stayed in the pocket and didn't uh, you know start running because Cordero is very mobile um, and could have probably picked up a, a few of those first downs had they needed him but it seemed like they kept him in that pocket for most of the night Jackson and uh, and it really it really hurt uh, what San Jose State was able to do there right yeah, I mean, you just look at the last three games alone. Um, I mean, you could even shorten that sample size. But for Cordero, I mean, he had rushed uh, close to 30 times for 
about 170 yards and four touchdowns. And against the Bulldogs, he finished with negative eight yards net when you include sacks, of course, and obviously no scores from him on the ground. I mean, it doesn't get much uh, more dominant than that to face a guy that has had that much success on the ground and to not only contain, but to really shut it down. Um, so that was impressive to see, especially, you know, when I went back and watched the Boise State game, uh, the Bulldogs had a lot of trouble with that. It wasn't like Taylor Green, the Broncos quarterback, really ran a, a ton on them, but he made Fresno State's defenders have to make decisions where they were either going to stay in coverage or they were going to come up and try to go for him. And he really took advantage of that, making some late passes and finding some open guys that the Bulldogs abandoned to co- contain the quarterback. But this time around, because they kept Cordero in the pocket so much, um, and the coverage was so good downfield, those middle guys, the linebackers, the nickelbacks, they were able to really cut, like contain and, and shut down and, and come up to the line of scrimmage without having to abandon some of the type of passing routes that they were giving up at Boise State. So um, just not just performance, but the scheme and the game plan that the Bulldogs came up with was just absolutely what they needed to run. And we figure San Jose State only had 10 points and seven of them came on kind of a bizarre set of circumstances that could have been avoided pretty easily. I mean, Bulldogs could have let the clock run out. Uh, you know, if you want to talk theoretically, they made the right move, of course, to call timeouts before halftime to get the ball back. And then they have the unfortunate turnover and the quick Spartan score. A lot had to go wrong for those seven of those 10 points to go on the scoreboard. Um, so, uh, I mean, even with that, small series of incidents that accounted for the scoreboard, uh, the defense still just was fantastic for the large amount of the 60 minutes that were played. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, they were, the, the defense for Fresno state was spot on this past game. Um, uh, even though I don't like defensive games, watching what they were able to accomplish against a San Jose state was very entertaining. Um, it kept San Jose State, uh, you know, on their toes, with the exception of right before, um, right before the the half, where San Jose State scores that touchdown. Uh, they pretty much contained that San Jose State offense um, fairly good throughout that whole game, right, Jackson? And then, you know, the unfortunate event of of giving up the ball right before halftime, and then San Jose scoring that that was. Uh, that was deflating there right at halftime for a second. Yeah, it was. And it felt like it felt like the Spartans were just that one big play away from taking a lead or, you know, starting just kind of getting into gear because this offense has scored more than 30 points a game the last several times they've been out on the field. And it felt like eventually they were going to figure it out. And if the Bulldogs offense wasn't going to put up much points, that eventually San Jose State would have the driver to the to get over the top and it felt like for a moment that was it um but the Bulldogs came back out out, out from halftime and they didn't let it bother them and they you know put it up the game was on the line time after time again in the fourth quarter where the Spartans got the ball and they just could get nothing going against the dogs yeah we were in very familiar territory every time we're like they left too much time on the clock here we go. And uh, we kept looking at the time. We kept looking at how far they needed to go. And we're, we were like, can the Bulldogs hold for probably the first time all season 
uh, in the fourth quarter and not allow the other team to go down the field and score. And they were able to accomplish just that. They were able to shut down San Jose State, uh, sealing the victory for the Bulldogs and the Valley Trophy, uh, which stays here in Fresno. Um, so they they were able to hold on to that rivalry trophy and, uh, and really took a bad taste out of everyone's mouth of a four-game losing streak, Jackson. Uh, you know, can the Bulldogs now build upon that and start heading in the other direction? Well, that game was huge, not just for stopping the losing streak, but in the standings. I mean, if the Bulldogs would have lost that game and started 0-2 in conference play, they would have been two games behind the Spartans and be missing the tiebreaker and be 1-5 and overall. It would have definitely felt like there was very little left to play for. But they get that win, and now, instead of being in that desperate situation, the Bulldogs actually control their own destiny. They're one of only two teams in the Mountain West Division that can say that right now the other san diego state um and both teams are one and one so they're far from in the driver's seat per se but uh, those two teams are also going to play each other next week so um that one could determine you know what happens the rest of the way but uh, if you're fresno state you're you got rid of that losing streak and you now you look at the rest of the schedule and the teams are much less uh, intimidating than San Jose State and Boise State and Oregon State and USC, the teams you've already gone through. Um, I'm not huge on ESPN's FPI, but the Bulldogs are given a 70-plus percent chance of winning five out of the remaining six games by their measurements. And the only other one the Bulldogs are also favored in. So, I mean, there's a chance Fresno State could be heavily favored in just about every contest the rest of the way. And if they take advantage and cash in and, and get those wins together uh they'll of course be they'll win the west and they'll represent the dogs or the mountain west west division for the conference title and even with the another loss maybe it's somewhere in there it might work out where the bulldogs make it they um really just need to beat san diego state and if san jose state loses another one bulldogs might be in good shape to advance even at six and two so I mean, that was a big game as far as the standings and the, log- the logistics go. But at the same time, and until Jake Hayner, if and when he comes back, you just know this offense isn't really capable of scoring a lot of points. And that's going to make every game complicated and challenging. And, you know, you're just one or two bad plays away from potentially losing a game that you should win. And that's exactly what's uh, going to be in front of them here against New Mexico. I mean, the Bulldogs are favored by. 10 points, but we haven't seen the Bulldogs score more than 20 in a, for quite at some time. Uh, it's going to be hard to cover a double-digit spread if you can't score more than 17 or 20 points. I imagine it's going to be fairly close. Um, New Mexico's defense is, is rated highly, and we'll, we'll get into more of that here shortly, but um, don't don't take the Lobos lightly. Um, it's just a matter of where... Fresno State's offenses, and they're going to be facing a very difficult and challenging defense. And it'll probably be a similar story with San Diego State the following week. And then, if the Bulldogs can clear those two hurdles, maybe they get Hainer back, and maybe they're really rolling the rest of the way. That's what you can hope for right now if you're uh, on the Bulldog side. Absolutely, and uh, if you know they're going to need to come in uh, and take another win against New Mexico, keep that streak going. Uh, so that when they come back home again uh, against San San Diego State, maybe 
some of the players that are out with injuries may be back by then. Uh, what, what's the latest on, on Hainer? I know you saw Hainer out there uh, hobbling around, throwing. I saw him in the pregame, you know, walking around and, and throwing as well. How close do you think he is from coming back, Jackson? It's tough to say. He's looked better and better each week. It's stalled a little bit now that he's in that real small brace. He's walking around fine, but definitely a, a wide gap between that and, and playing a Division One football game. Um, it does sound like by multiple accounts that the injury he suffered was much more severe than the high ankle sprain that we were reported to when it initially happened. But even though it looks and sounds worse than it was, it also doesn't necessarily mean he's out for the year either. So uh, it's just kind of, as Coach Tedford said, monitoring, monitoring week to week, but he hasn't practiced this week. I don't think week to week means this week and probably not next week either. But, um, you know, hopefully you can get him no later than early November and that there's still a lot for the Bulldogs to play for and, and that there's a, significant reason for him to get back out there and and uh, push it a little bit to maybe play through if he's not quite a hundred percent whereas if the bulldogs are out of the race and even maybe not even in bowl eligibility contention with a loss or two which is possible uh, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to come back yeah and at this point i was hoping uh that uh uh, the backup quarterback right now would uh, would step into that position and and start to kind of turn a corner, but I don't see it happening, Jackson. I see him still struggling. Uh, Fife is is really uh, still trying to kind of figure out the game and the game speed. Uh, I mean, granted, Tedford keeps saying he hasn't had much starts under his belt, but at some point. You, you you gotta you gotta kind of figure you may need to put someone else in there at some point, right, Jackson? Yeah, I think at this point the coach Tedford and, and the Bulldogs have pretty much dug their heels in on, on this one. That fight's going to keep playing until um, until Hainer's ready to return. Um, I think Coach Tedford would provide the argument. That, well, I'll say the offense, there's no doubt about it. It wasn't very pretty. I, I thought there were some moments where they looked better than what we've seen so far with Fife. But what, what Coach Shedford will tell you is that San Jose State was the top 10 passing defense nationally. They were only allowing 150 passing yards per game. And Logan Fife did throw for 230. He had a touchdown. He had one poor interception and uh, a fumble mixed in there. But um Granted, it was against who they were playing. They, they feel like they were pretty satisfied. They also played last week a Boise State team that is similarly up there with San Jose State defensively, and uh, New Mexico is right behind those two. So it's another tall task for him this week. Um, perhaps maybe we see when Fresno State plays some lighter competition, um, teams like UNLV and Hawaii that are coming up that really do not have much going for them defensively. Maybe he'll look a lot different, but the Bulldogs have been going up against the top defenses and I, they seem to be feeling that it's good enough to get by if the defense can play like the way they did against San Jose State. And that's going to have to be, I think, the formula again this week to beat the Lobos and next week to beat San Diego State. They're going to need very, very strong defensive performances and for the offense to do just enough to, to outscore the opponents. And 
it might not be a bad strategy with all things considered, but it does leave a very small margin for error. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, there has been some growth, but not as much as I expected it. But uh, granted, I get what you're saying. These these other teams that they he has faced so far are ranked very highly against the pass. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see how the rest of the the season pans out because it's starting to sound more and more like a uh, uh, Hainer's return. Um, may not happen if they continue to go the route that they're going because they keep saying it's it's day to day, but now it's starting to sound like it's ser- more serious than originally thought. So I'm kind of concerned that Hayner may not even make it back this year. And I don't know, can he take a medical redshirt, Jackson? <laughs> would he want to? <laughs> yeah, t- technically he should be eligible. It would be a seventh year of college if he came back. It would require him not to return, of course, this year. I don't think that's in his plans. I think he's been close enough to the NFL discussion that he's going to want to give it a shot this offseason, no matter what happens. Um, I know he's not a guaranteed NFL draft pick on any boards at this time or you know a first or second day guy, but um, he was one of the very few select players nationally that did get to participate in a kind of next up event at the draft where they brought about 25, 30 players that were expected to be in the draft the next year. He's been around the combine and his name's out there. So I would expect that he's going to go for that, but I do think he's going to be healthy enough to come back by the end of the season. It's just a matter of how soon is it? uh, How late is it? And how much is still left to be played for? And if it makes sense for him to to even push it Hopefully the Bulldogs can build off this win against the Spartans and really make a run here. As mentioned, they're in very good position to continue to win games here on out and get to that Mountain West Championship game. But uh, until he comes back, uh, teams that Fresno State probably would have beat pretty easily are now teams that are going to be very challenging. Yeah, uh, so New Mexico, who originally was not going to be even in the conversation, now all of a sudden becomes a difficult team. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of scary. Uh, so as long as the Bulldogs are able to kind of put a good enough game together and come out of there escaping a loss and, and continuing to, to win that one, uh, maybe they can come back here to Fresno uh, in front of a home crowd that could help them push them to another victory against San Diego state. So we'll, we'll, let's, let's start uh, breaking down this New Mexico team, Jackson, how does, you know, we've been touching upon the offense. So how does the offense stack up against this uh, New Mexico, uh, New Mexico defense? I almost said New Mexico state. It's not, it's just New Mexico. So how did they stack up against this New Mexico defense? Yeah. I mean, Boise State and San Jose State are the top two in the conference, but New Mexico is is not far behind statistically and a lot of the statistics as well. Um, And not just being a pretty strong defense. um, And I'll also add that if you look at the Lobo scores week after week, you kind of think, why, how is this defense any good? I mean, they've been losing games. They lost 21 to nine. To New Mexico State last week, they lost uh, 28-14, I believe it was, to Wyoming the previous week. You know, it doesn't sound like any juggernaut defense to me looking at final scores, but you look a little bit closer at the stats. Um, 
New Mexico State, they had a grand total of 225 yards against the Lobos. They only had 10 first downs. They were 2 of 10 on third down conversions, and they only completed 10 passes the whole game. Um, so if you didn't know the final score, you would think that <laughs> the Lobos won in pretty dominant fashion. But, you know, it was one of those games where some weird things happen in between. Uh, some turnovers change the game, and the final score looks a lot different than the product that the Lobos had on the defensive side. Uh, we also saw them, even in a loss against Boise State, put up uh, quite a strong showing against them, uh, kind of led into their offensive coordinator getting fired and the quarterback transferring. They gave them a lot of fits even before UTEP did. Uh, that was another game. The Lobos gave up a lot of special teams plays and some other things that gave the Broncos some extra points. So uh, definitely don't discredit the Lobos defense from the final scores, uh, but it's the, the scheme that they're going to face. It's going to be Rocky Long from San Diego State. He's got this very exotic defense. There's a lot of different fronts, a lot of different movement going on, and that's tough for any quarterback. And what makes you especially concerned is the Bulldogs have Logan Fife, who is still very young in his career. He's got only a few starts under his belt so far. And so this is going to be a really challenging and really different look facing this defense. Uh, it's hard to compare, but some coaches will tell you it's like playing Air Force where, you know, you, you don't see that triple option all year long and then you see it. Um, well, it's kind of the same way on the other side of the field now where you don't see teams play defense like this anywhere else except for San Diego State, coincidentally. And uh, now the Bulldogs are going to face both of those teams. So this is going to be pretty out of the norm. Uh, the Lobos don't give up much on the ground. They are second in the conference in rushing defense, which is kind of another statistic where you know, if they were getting blown out and losing, uh, you know, teams would seem to rack up some extra rushing yards trying to bleed the clock. And uh, the Lobos are, are not giving up much on the ground, no matter what the circumstance is. Uh, they have been... You know, they're not in the top half of the conference in pass defense. That's really the one area where they don't look too impressive, but um, that, that still, it's still going to give you fits and be complicated for a quarterback that's not used to seeing that to go up against it. And they're also another team that's pretty strong on third down defense too. So uh, a lot of the same recipe that was there for a team like Boise State, not schematically, but statistically, um, the Lobos and, and Broncos aren't, terribly different in, in most stats except for pass defense so um if Fife can navigate the pre-snap looks and some of the exotic things he's going to see uh might be able to produce some some yardage and some more drives against this Lobos defense than you would anticipate but it's going to be a grind uh, I can tell you that yeah it's going to be interesting to see just uh how well um the bulldogs adjust you know and having these this type of defense twice in a row could play to their advantage uh, they'll be able to kind of see some of these things uh before san diego state comes to town so that might help the bulldogs a little bit um so now on the flip side of the coin you've got uh new mexico's offense heading uh, against this uh a bulldog defense that was pretty stout this past weekend. And how do you see that one kind of uh, panning out there, Jackson? Yeah, that's where this is. You, know, you don't think much in New Mexico and the offense is right in line with, <laughs> with the way that, that perspective. And 
maybe that's another reason why the, the defense is performing so well in most stats except for points scored. I mean, you know, the offense gives up turnovers. They give up short fields on three and outs and turnovers and special teams issues. It, it all starts to add up on the scoreboard. But, um, I mean, yeah, they're only averaging 260 yards a game. Uh, they're next to last in the conference in total yardage. Um, third to last in passing offense, a little bit better in the running game. Uh, they're right around sixth uh, in rushing yards per game in the Mountain West. They are going to present some option stuff, not quite to the extent of Air Force and what you think with that, but this is one where it's probably less about physicality for the Bulldogs and more about being assignment sound and gap sound and not giving up the big run. We haven't seen the Bulldogs really give up the, a huge run against anyone this season. and It's been more, I think, designed about not giving up big passes, which the Bulldogs haven't done much of either. Um, Elijah Cook's touchdown uh, right before halftime against the Spartans is one of the very rare times anything like that has happened this season. So this is a bit of a different animal where you can't quite just sit back and, and try to let the opposing offense play underneath. I mean, if two player, one or two players messes up what they're looking for on the triple option play, they can go to the house from anywhere. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Bulldogs defensive staff coaches them up and if they can handle that and if they have any issues. But um, for the most part, this isn't a very strong offense. They're not going to have a lot of strengths. Uh, I think if the Bulldogs can just be physical enough on the interior line and the gaps sound and assignment sound on the outside that uh, I don't foresee the Lobo scoring a lot of points, but um, you give up one or two big plays. And if your offense is only scoring 14 or 17 or 20, uh, it could make things a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, and that's where it's going to get a little bit interesting. If the Bulldogs are able to kind of clamp down uh, on on this New Mexico offense, um, maybe it'll give the Bulldogs a chance to to get two or three plays on offense uh, that will help catapult them uh, for a win here. So hopefully the Bulldogs are able to kind of figure out what they need to do on defense because uh, right now they need all the help they can get. And defense sounds like the one place that could help uh, the Bulldogs in this uh, upcoming game. And, um, but that's not to discount what could happen on special teams. We have, we're, we're yet to see a big play since the, the one that, uh, the Bulldogs had, uh, with that excellent, uh, return from Remigio on a, I believe it was what a punt return, right? Jackson. Yeah, you can And so we haven't seen much since. So, you know, is this an opportunity where the Bulldogs could probably break loose somewhere on special teams? Uh, potentially. I mean, that's the thing about low-scoring games, too, is that you're, you're not going to see very many kickoffs when that happens, of course. And uh, I know State State this past week, they like to kind of pooch it to the 25 and, and prevent you from having any opportunity. But the Spartans sure punted a lot, and we didn't see many return opportunities for Remigio, so... We'll see. I know New Mexico's had a little bit of struggle on special teams. Um, if you can get them three and out, like they have been forced off the field quite a bit this season, early in drives or the in their own you know, territory, you can get some favorable field position. And, you know, Remigio can really be a, a big factor in this game. What, this past week, I think Carson King 
with his punts and forcing San Jose State to have long field was the difference maker. This time around, Remigio might be able to be the guy that gives the offense short field for Fresno State instead, and that'll make things a lot easier for the dogs and produce some more scoring opportunities. So I foresee that being a big factor in this game. Um, I mean, those two players, <laughs> they could be more critical for this game than they really more they usually are, just given that I think it's going to be a, a pretty much of a type of a grinding game with a lot of defense and um, probably the, the punt units are going to be out there quite a bit. Now, what I no- did notice in the last game here at home, uh, Fresno State did go after uh, San Jose State's kicker quite often, Jackson, and several times. I believe they even got their fingertips on a, a couple of those balls. Uh, you know, is this one of those games where we might see more of that as well? Yeah, I know San Jose State's kicking game, especially their field goal kicker, kind of thrust into action and hasn't had a great season and any pressure they could get on those field goals was going to help. And we saw that play into effect. They, they did miss the manageable one there late in the game. Um, the Lobos as well, not a great field goal kicking team. They've had two different kickers out there this season. They are seven for 13 overall. And again, they're a team much like San Jose state where they have a 51 yarder made under their belt and they've got a miss from inside the 29. Um, so it's a, one of those types of teams where, they have the ability to make it from long, but they can miss from anywhere too and um, see if the Bulldogs can create some pressure there. And, and as well as punt blocking, uh, there's been a lot of games, not just this past one, where the Fresno State has been especially close to getting a hand on those punts. And I think it's just a matter of time before it happens. Yeah, it, they, they're getting pretty close to doing it. And, uh, it, you know, it's a matter of time. They're they're going to get their hand on one of these here uh, sooner or later. And uh, maybe it might just happen this upcoming weekend. So, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and start switching gears and going into uh, Mountain West coverage here. And before we do so, uh, I believe, you know, it just recently it was Mountain West uh, Basketball Media Days. And, uh, you know, give give the Bulldog fans a little bit of taste of what happened during media days and, and what exactly transpired. Yeah, you know, with COVID, they did it uh, virtually the last couple of years, and that continued this year, which makes things easier for us. Uh, you don't have to go to Vegas. You just open up your laptop and you're at media days. So, <laughs> uh, also gives you a chance to just kind of uh, slip in whenever your team or your team of interest is going on. So got to participate in the Bulldogs press conference and coach Hutt was there of course and they were represented by Jamal Baker and Jordan Campbell Um, but some of the more pertinent information is that the Bulldogs finished seventh out of 11 in the preseason poll not great Um, they were not too far behind number six UNLV and followed closely by number eight Utah State Um, so a bit of an uphill climb as far as the preseason voting is concerned but Uh, They did have one of the big awards that went to Joseph Hunter, the local freshman. He was named the preseason freshman of the year as a four-star from San Joaquin Memorial. Um, So I know Coach had alluded that they're still working on getting him healthy a little bit, but as long as he's on the court, uh, Mountain West expects big things out of him. And if they do get that out of him, that's going to be quite a difference maker for this team. They, return uh, of course lose Orlando Robinson the star of last year's team but the large majority of the other contributors are back 
you just want to see if someone can be one of those top end players that you didn't already have. Uh, Jamal Baker, if healthy, should be one of those guys. Joseph Hunter could be one of those guys. And potentially Isaiah Moore, a transfer from Southern Miss, could be another one of those guys. So if any of them can live up to the hype, it'll go a long way in replacing Robinson and giving this team a chance to uh, compete a little bit better than what the uh, number seven pick shows them at. Absolutely. And for basketball, uh, the the basketball season for Fresno State is fast approaching. And as always, uh, the Mark Warden Jackson will be out at the, uh, the games to bring you all the latest coverage. And, uh, you know, if you want some in-depth analysis, Jackson's the guy. He's my encyclopedia for uh, Fresno State basketball. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that as the season progresses. Now switching gears back to Fresno State football uh, and the Mountain West, and uh, let's let's take a quick look as to where things stand so far. Uh, as we are now getting into that uh, to the 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 section where we're going to monitor what's happening in the Mountain West because every game now is important as far as Fresno State is concerned. And right now in the standings in the Mountain West West Division. San Jose State still leads the way at a 2-1 and one record. So you can see that, that that game was a very important one for Fresno State. UNLV comes in uh, at 2-2. Two and two. San Diego State 1-1. One and one. Fresno State 1-1. One and one. Hawaii 1-1. One and, one. and Nevada at 0-3. Oh so Fresno State still controls their own destiny at this point because they, they have a win over San Jose State. And they're uh, uh, so that gives them uh, the tiebreaker uh, should it come to that. But they also have to take care of business against the other teams, uh, and uh, they'll get an opportunity here in the in the coming weeks. Now, as far as the Mountain Division is concerned, Boise State leads the way, three games to none, so three and zero. Wyoming two and one, Utah two and one. Air Force 2 and 2, Colorado State 1 and 1, and New Mexico is 0 and 3. So, uh that's where everything stands and of course, you know, I hate saying it but we we keep seeing Boise State at the top of that division every single year. Um but um going into this upcoming week, there's going to be some matchups that are going to mean quite a bit for the Bulldogs. Uh, so let's let's start breaking these down. We've first game on the docket. Hawaii takes on Colorado State uh, in Colorado, and uh, how do you see that one panning out, Jackson? Yeah, Hawaii. Uh, they came out of their bye week two weeks ago, looking quite a bit better, and the bar wasn't high after starting the season a one and four in, in dreadful fashion, losing blowout games to everywhere from number four Michigan to New Mexico State. I mean, it was just terrible, and it was warranted to an extent with how much they got decimated over the offseason. But uh, they had a bye, and they just about knocked off San Diego State on the road two weeks ago. Aztecs won on a game-winning field goal. in Hawaii hosted Nevada and handled them, which seemed to be pretty easy with the 31-16 to score last week. Uh, they've implemented some run and shoot since the bye week, and that seems to have lifted the offense quite a bit. They also got their top receiver, Zion Bowens, back, who you, know, you don't think one receiver can make that much of a difference. But, I mean, he's been uh, really their only weapon in the passing game, and that's gone a long way, too. So you put that up against the Colorado State team that um, 
started the season equally as dreadful as Hawaii, but I don't think has turned a corner. Um, they are on, it is in Fort Collins, which is, you know, tough for Hawaii to make that kind of trip. But uh, I think the Rainbow Warriors have more going for them right now. And that's one to watch too, because if Hawaii can win that game and then the following week, uh, they are going to face Wyoming at home. I mean, they could be three and one potentially in conference play coming into Valley Children's Stadium on November 5th or at least two and two. I think there's a good chance they at least split these next two games. So um, not much was expected out of this Hawaii team, but as far as the conference standings are concerned, that might be a pretty important game when Fresno State sees them soon. Yeah, that one, uh, that one's going to have a little bit of implications, maybe not right away, but it will. <laughs> uh, um, but the next game, uh, on on the schedule, uh, kind of an interesting one, Jackson. We've got UNLV making the trip down to South Bend, Indiana, to take on Notre Dame. And uh, do they have a shot, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, one of the other teams I cover is Stanford, and they had lost 11 FBS football games in a row until they went to Notre Dame as 17-point underdogs last week and then shocked the Fighting Irish, so... That's the second time they've really been kind of embarrassed and upset at Notre Dame, both of them at home. And uh, ultimately, I I think they're going to very much outclass the Rebels athletically, regardless of whether their quarterback, Doug Brumfield, comes back or not. Um, But it it may be quite a task for Notre Dame to get up for this game. Maybe I I would bet it's going to be closer than UNLV's losses to Air Force and San Jose State the last two weeks, which have both been by 30 plus points, but Notre Dame is just going to have way too much talent, too much size for the Rebels, especially that UNLV defense that is looking like a pretty bad group right now. Yeah, so that's going to be, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would be one that I would try to tune into. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the next game on the schedule, you've got San Jose State licking their wounds as they travel to Las Cruces, New Mexico, to take on New Mexico State. Or Jackson, uh, opportunity for San Jose State to kind of get back into the win column there. Yeah, they're big favorites, which is interesting that Fresno State beat San Jose State, and they are favored by ten at New Mexico. Last week, New Mexico State beat New Mexico. And the Spartans are traveling to New Mexico State as 21-point favorites. Um, I'm still wrapping my head around how those numbers come to be. But, uh, you know, I would be surprised if the Spartans cover that. I think it's going to be a good game. But uh, San Jose State should ultimately be the better team. I think it's going to be a tight one, though. Um, New Mexico State has had a couple of good performances, even at 2-5. and five, But I don't think they're going to be a pushover. It's a little interesting, too, the two... Uh, Northern California slash Central California. Mountain West teams are both going to New Mexico this week, and we'll see how those battles pan out. Uh, Bulldogs and Spartans should have every advantage in the world recruiting in the Golden State compared to the uh, type of recruiting opportunities that those two schools have. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, should be uh, San Jose State coming out in that one. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Maybe maybe we'll get shocked and New Mexico State takes care of the the Spartans there. I don't know. I've, I've seen things happen that are crazy before. So um, let's go on to the next game that is available on the schedule, and that is 
a, a key mar- matchup that has happened over the last few years, and that's Boise State taking on Air Force uh, in uh, Colorado Springs. Now, Jackson, does Air Force, you know, come out and surprise Boise even with the sanctions looming over their heads? Yeah, I think you got to take Air Force very seriously. You know, they haven't been as strong and consistent as we once thought. Um, they lost to Utah State, which we didn't see coming. And we understand there were some issues against Wyoming with their health and all that, but still, still surprised they weren't able to pull that one off. So, um, but when they play at their best, I mean, they're coming off a 42-7 win at UNLV. They're definitely capable of beating the Broncos. In fact, uh, uh, they're favored actually in this game as three-point favorites at home. So uh, even if Air Force wins this game, since they have two conference losses, it may be tough for them to surpass the Broncos by the end of the year, but it will make things a lot more interesting if they can pull this one off. Yeah, that uh, that should make things uh, a, a little fun if uh, Air Force can kind of go in and take uh, take one away from Boise and kind of shake things up in the Mountain Division. So that is one of the games that I would suggest to keep an eye on. Uh, it has a lot of implications in that division, um, so keep an eye out for that one. Now the next game on the schedule, San Diego State takes on Nevada in Reno, Nevada. Uh, so. You know, Nevada coming on off of a two and five record so far this season, zero and three in conference. Does Nevada kind of have enough to kind of put things together to kind of compete with San Diego State? You know, San Diego State has not had it easy this year. Um, the only game they've won by more than three points was against Idaho State. Uh, their defense, you know, they're always fairly pretty strong on defense, but as usual, their offense is pretty weak, and that's been the case this year. They only managed wins over Toledo 17-14 and Hawaii 16-14. Uh, did seem like they might have figured something out uh, against the Rainbow Warriors, though. They had a bye last week, but before that, Jalen Maiden, a former Mississippi State quarterback transfer who had been playing safety for the Aztecs, uh, they said, what the heck? They threw him in, that quarterback, and he threw for over 300 yards. It was like the most any San Diego State quarterback has had in uh, over a decade. So this will be an important game before the Bulldogs see San Diego State to see what they're made out of. I, I think you know most teams are starting to get a feel for who and what they are at this stage, but I'm still scratching my head about the Aztecs a bit. Um, as bad as Nevada is, uh, I'm kind of anticipating a close game, and that San Diego State will probably pull out, but um, it'll tell a lot more about the Aztecs if um, their offense can build off of what they did the previous game at all, and the defense shuts down Nevada as I would expect them. But yeah, still, still an odd spot for the Aztecs, and we'll get a little bit of a better feel before they come down to Fresno, up to Fresno to see what they're made out of this season. Yeah, so uh, that one I would say just. Watch that game if you have the opportunity, just so you can see what the Bulldogs are going to be in for um, the following week. Now, the next, uh, the last game on the schedule, you've got Utah State taking on Wyoming in Wyoming. And this one, a lot of implications because the winner of this game will put them in the driver's seat right behind Boise State in the Mountain Division. How do you see that one panning out, Jackson? This will be a good one. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. I think Wyoming has overachieved and Utah State has underachieved, and both of them are starting to kind of 
trend back towards the direction we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, Utah State has definitely made some strides the last couple of weeks. And this one's also big because um, Boise State faces these two teams on the two last weeks of the season. Um, so whoever wins this one could be in position to uh, make that a, a really significant game, kind of a de facto Mountain Division championship if it works out that way uh, late in November. Um, I, I'm going to go with Utah State. I think they've got the higher talent and the higher ceiling, but they've just been too inconsistent to, to bet on that one. But I'll go Aggies on in that matchup. And that that pretty much does it for the matchups of what's happening this uh, this upcoming week uh, for the Mountain West Division. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of looking back, trying to see uh, if there was any surprises that happened last week. And uh, other than seeing Air Force forty two to seven over UNLV, Jackson, it just I don't see a lot of uh, of big upsets other than Utah taking out Colorado state there when uh, everyone thought Colorado state was going to come away with that one, but uh, it is what it is. So it looks like uh, things are going to start to kind of pan out here in the next week or two. We'll, we'll know who's, who's who and uh, who's a pretender, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah. UNLV is struggling. Um, the, the quarterback Doug Brumfield was quietly, um, probably the best quarterback in the conference at the time of his injury two weeks ago. And they just haven't been able to replace him and, and their defense has proven to be pretty bad. So they, I mean, my best wishes to Brumfield, but if the Bulldogs can get to veterans day without having to see him, it would make that game a whole lot easier. And if they do see Brumfield, they're going to get a UNLV team. That's a lot better than their record says. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned as things start to develop. Um, in the Mountain West, uh, things start to pan out. Uh, one can only hope that the Bulldogs are able to kind of start returning some of these players and start to make a run uh, for the Mountain West title. Uh, but you know they've got they've got to get through these next couple of games first before they they have a good shot at, at trying to make a run here. And so basically, they're in survival mode right now, Jackson. Right? <laughs> it's the best way to put it. They, they need a win every game they can now. Yeah, and I think they're all going to be, again, I mean, there's some pretty bad teams on the schedule the rest of the way, but we know it's been a grind for this Bulldog offense, and just based off of that, I mean, the games are going to have to be mathematically close if they're scoring under 20 points. So uh, I think this San Jose State win, hopefully that set the tone for a defense that's going to lead the way and an offense that, can score enough to, to capitalize and win games. And that's a formula I think that could be successful against both New Mexico and San Diego State if the interior line plays up to par and the Bulldogs don't get run over like they did at Boise State. And I think that's your biggest concern. Uh, if Fresno State were to lose this game, that would probably have to be because of that. But um, otherwise, if the defense can play at a high level and their offense can just score 17, 20, maybe a little more, uh, it should be enough to win these next couple of games. Let me put things into perspective a little bit. If, if Fresno State loses three more games, they're mathematically eliminated from a bowl game. Look, <laughs> 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 uh, There's no other way of putting it. So they they cannot afford to lose three games uh, from here on out. Um, even if they get knocked out of conference championship, uh, out of the conference championship race, 
they still have a shot at, at attending a bowl game, which is, you know, it's still something. But they lose three, they're gone. Uh, they won't have a shot at one, right, Jackson? Right, yeah, you got to get the six and six at least. You know, I think, uh, again, I mean, the Bulldogs on paper are going to be favored in pretty much every game the rest of the way. But it's, it's a lot more complicated than that, and it's going to take a lot of key plays to, to grind out some of these victories that are coming up. So um, definitely reason to hope for a Mountain West championship, and hopefully it doesn't fall below bowl eligibility. Absolutely. Uh, so that being said, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up the show. Jackson, any final thoughts before we shut this down? Yes, head on over to BarkBoard.com. We've got our coverage from practice. I've got an in-depth, detailed report about um, the injuries that Fresno State has sustained. I mean, we get a pretty vague response from Coach Tedford every Monday, and I'm there at practice on Tuesday to see what's really going on and who's practicing. So uh, we keep that information on the premium board um, we'll have an in-depth practice report too breaking down the matchups of this week and interviewing the players and the coaches talk with justin houston and starting nickelback who's going to be eligible for the first time get some insights into uh, what he's thinking going into his first game of the season should be a big boost for the Falcons to have him back um, and of course some basketball coverage for media days as well um, so a lot going on at barkford.com and um Stay tuned uh, throughout the season, and uh, once the season ends, you got signing day right around the corner, so there's always something going on on the, the VIP side of markboard.com. We don't sleep over here. There's always something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that being said, uh, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Um, you can also go to the, our Facebook page and give it a like. We're 5,000 and strong and growing uh, every day. And as always, if you're not, uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to thebarkboard.com where we've got both free and premium subscriptions. Uh, premium is where you want to go uh, to get all the latest news and updates uh, that don't uh, uh, don't actually get published to the public, uh, you know, right away. So. Uh, you know, it is well worth the price. So that being said, thank you for joining us. Join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>